Hey guys, Officer Kevin here. I uh, just wanted to check in with everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to the live show last week. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, more to come of that soon. So stay tuned. Uh, we're taking a little bit of a breather this week. So uh, in lieu of a new episode, we do have something a little different. Um, this is something we've given out on the Patreon a handful of times before, which is our bonus spinoff show, Fire Bros, where we decide to burn or save different pieces of media. Uh, this is an episode that we recorded back in uh, March of 2021. Uh, we reviewed uh, four different pieces of media, which is typically uh, par for the course. We reviewed the uh, Chicago Bulls documentary series, The Last Dance, the video game Bug Fables, we reviewed the uh, Netflix movie, Death to 2020, and we reviewed the documentary movie, Tickled, which, um, that was a ride, I will say that much uh, at the top of the show, but I will say thank you everybody for uh, for listening and supporting us. Uh, if you like this, you can get a lot more of it over at patreon.com slash thoughtcops. We got a bunch of these episodes in there, and we try to do these once a month, so if you like it. More to come, obviously. Uh, we'll be back with a regular episode again next week, so apologies for the delay. Uh, again, uh, thank you for your support, and we'll see you soon. Enjoy. Welcome to Fire Bros, the Thought Cops alternate universe spinoff bonus episode podcast where we pretend like we're firemen from Fahrenheit 451 instead of the Thought Police from 1984. And instead of policing uh, internet culture, we burn media or enshrine it in a convoluted rating system known as the Library of Regress. I'm Fire Bro Grant. And I'm Fire Bro Kevin. I feel like sometimes we do these shows and it feels like toddlers playing with toys. Like, I want to be the policeman. I want to be the fireman. Right. It's a, it's a parody of that. Where it's, it's a, a parody, parody of, of what? children. Playmobil toys? Yeah, we're making fun of children while making poignant, you know, salient points about society. Somebody's got to stick it to these kids. I mean... Yeah, they've gotten away with things for too yeah. long. Seriously. I'm not, I'm not kidding around. So we're back. Uh, it's been a little while and we do apologize. Uh, we'll, we'll toss something good your way, a little bit of extra content for waiting. We're going to hope to get back on track again with this. Uh, shit's been kind of crazy. We've been guesting on more shows than ever recently and doing a lot and the Twitch streaming and everything. Uh, so we do appreciate your patience. Um, but, you know, we're here. It's uh, March 2021. 
Uh, the the pandemic is over. Just kidding. Not for me. Ah. For some people, hey, for some people, it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, uh, we've been busy with a couple other things, which is always good. You know, reaching out to some new some new audiences and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, we would like to get a little bit more back on track with this stuff. Uh, you know, it's it is what it is. Uh, we're we're trying our best over here. But you know, uh, real, speaking before we yeah. before we do get to the main segment, though, I was thinking yeah. like when when the pandemic is over, because it will be over at some point. Are people going to be consuming less media for a while? Because I feel like, you know, for example, I've been playing a lot of video games during this pandemic. And I feel like when I can go outside and do stuff again, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, it's going to like be like a a painful reminder. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I'm not going to stop, but I'll cut down, you know? Right. It's sort of hard to say, but I feel like the only answer is that it's going to change, you know, like. I get the feeling that a lot more people are going to be working from home than true. Like, so you're going to have more people that are sitting around, you know, pretending to do work at, at their houses and not like not commuting and stuff like that. And a lot of times people would, you know, like listen to podcasts while commuting and stuff like that. So like, that's not yeah. to say I think it'll go one way or the other. I think it'll just sort of be different. I think life's going to be different. And I think that there's no real trajectory forward that you can sort of accurately, you know, pin one way or the other. I don't know. Like, the way I see it is, you know, a couple things. People, you know, they're playing a lot of video games. They're they're binge watching a lot of shows on uh, streaming services. And I feel like when people can go outside and do stuff to a normal capacity again, there's going to be a lot less of that kind of thing. Right. Um, and I also think for the people who do work at home, you know, I think that for the people who are commuting, it's they work all day, they're driving all day, they get home. They probably just want to sit around and watch a movie or watch a show, you know, but like people right. who are working at home, the second the day is over, they probably want to get out of the house, you know? Right. Which again, leads, you know, more to the point of, uh, I don't know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I've, uh, you know, I've been trying to quote unquote, take advantage of the, uh, you know, the time I have in this pandemic, as shitty as it is, I'm, right. you know, you know, watching and playing and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff I meant to do for a while. And, you know, I'm like, oh, well, I'm so busy, you know, well, now I'm not. So, right. I mean, well, I, I am, think the, but I'm also the only not, you know? other thing that's sort of going to be like a, a little bit of a difference is going to be the fact that like when things do pick up again, like people will be spending their time a little more wisely but then as a result of that i I do think that there will be a point where it's like oh okay i don't have to sit inside all the time and binge watch all of my favorite tv shows i can go outside and i can do this and i can do this and then i can sort of like come back Mm -hmm. to some of these things on my own time and my own terms and i think that'll mean that like things are moving forward with life and that like you you can start like drawing more inspiration from those things as they happen as opposed to like trying to force out content you know and that's the way i see it too in a way is like i i feel like it's easier to enjoy you know for example like a uh a video game or a tv show when it's like you've been like this is your time to chill at home you've been out and about doing stuff when it's like you know i i know that we both know when you're doing mostly that and you're socializing time it's just like right it it makes it less uh endearing well that's that's where like um i don't like during the twitch streams i've been playing paper mario obviously and 
that's almost to me like uh i don't know i've been my workouts have been lasting for like three hours lately and then like i've been working more than i have you know the past entire year so it, it really does feel like when i sit down to play a video game that it's like i actually get to enjoy it because i feel like the reason i couldn't enjoy video games during the pandemic was because i felt like i was just slowly entertaining myself to death you know yeah and yeah, it's like it, it, it is it. nice to have yeah it is nice to have that like break from reality because it just felt like the pandemic itself was too much of a break from reality and i just felt like i was fucking spinning my wheels you know Mm-hmm. definitely so. uh speaking of that you know we're back here again with fire bros we're con- talking about more content that we've consumed during the quarantine so all four of the topics today we saw all of us for the first time uh you know while we've been locked up and microchipped and uh, whatever the hell else people say uh so the first one on the list is the netflix documentary series the last dance uh it's about the 1990s chicago bulls indeed this is uh this is a little different than the uh the normal i feel we talk about and that's kind of why i wanted to pick it also because it's uh it's a hometown uh you know it's it's a hood classic you know we're from the chicagoland area so right we we both like i I think we've talked a little bit about it but we've we both felt like a similar nostalgia you know watching this because like this is the world you know we were kids when michael jordan was like you know the king of the king of sports and i'll be the first to say though i was not a sports fan as a kid at all and i'm still not really right um i i find myself like I'm, i'm drawn to like sports movies and sports documentaries and stuff but i find watching the games just to be like i don't want to call it a waste of time but it it just feels like a massive time sink you gotta like just seeing like yeah people i know who are into it like they're like oh yeah i got game tonight got a game tonight gotta watch a game tonight so they're like three or four hours and it's multiple times a week and it's like you just watch them do the same stuff and it's like yeah i don't know (laughs) it's just the way i see it it's on the co- the commitment that is required to be a uh, true sports aficionado seems to be intense. But, you know, this is a 10-part... It was 8 or 10-part grant. I think it's... I believe it was 10. Hold on, I'm checking right now. It is... Yeah, it's 10. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a high, uh, a compressed story. It's on the court, off the court. Uh, the culture around everything, the people's stories, the history. Right. Uh, and and you know, like, a lot of Chicago, you know? Yeah, and like you said, it's it's like we grew up in that era, and it's like like I wasn't glued to the TV, but I just remember like like Michael Jordan being the most uh you know the the most widely recognized name in all of sports. I mean, to the point where he you know was not even a sports icon, but just like uh, an American icon, a oh, world yeah, icon, sure. you know, and like yeah. growing up in that era and knowing that like he sort of represented Chicago in a sort of way, I think is what initially like drew me in, you know, to wanting to watch it. And like you said, it's like, I don't I'll get sort of amped up watching certain specific games or watching playoff games or watching like certain series and stuff like right, that. But yeah, right. like, like the, you said, the world series for the Cubs was like, I mean, you got to yeah. watch that, but like, right. like I was at a bar when they won and it was just like a, a really fun experience. Yeah, exactly. I like stuff like that, but yeah, like you said, it's just like, I, 
I, I feel like when I sit down and I watch sports all the time that I'm just like sitting and consume like in the same way that we're talking about, like, you know, entertaining ourselves to death. It's like I'd rather be yeah. doing things, making things like I, I get the appeal, but also like I want to be like doing things. I, I don't want to just sit there and watch other people do things. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and I mean, there's just something different about consuming sports to me where it's like, you know, otherwise you're consuming something that somebody put a lot of like, I don't I want I want to say like they don't put thought into sports and stuff, but it's just like you're consuming like like a, um you watch a movie, it's like art. It's a story. Right. It's like it looks different than like another movie. You know, any sports game looks the same. I mean, granted the details are and this is probably like sounding insane to some yeah. people, but No, I I I relate to it heavily because this is the same sort of um the same thing that goes through my head. And I guess the only the the through line that I understand this to be in terms of having watched this documentary is that there are as insane as it sounds there are story arcs and there's different characters different players like that you know i'm you know this this sounds like nerd culture 101 is describing now you're speaking uh, my language oh, describing this is, this an sports anime? <laughs> describing sports like it's an anime but i mean you watch this and it's just like like the players mentalities going through this and like you know how they had to face off against you know the same person again and like how you know how they grew past you know their previous selves and like what they did yeah. to work on this what they did to work on this and stuff like that and it's just like yeah you sit there and you watch it and it's the same thing over and over again but there is like a certain like there are through lines to what's happening you know and i think that that's where it like really sort of piqued my interest because it's like, yeah, I, I remember Michael Jordan. I remember the fucking, you know, nineties bulls. Everybody does. But like some of these like rivalries and like the, the smaller things like switching players out and stuff like that. It's just like, Oh, there's all this stuff that was happening that I don't really remember all that well, but like, I'm, I'm glad that I get to sort of, you know, see it again. You know, because I was like yeah. seven when this shit was happening, you know, or younger. Yeah. What was it like? Yeah. I mean, like the what was the, the three Pete was was at 96 through 98 or was it? I, I think so. It was 91, 92, 93. And then I think it was like a one or two year off. And then four, not four, five, six. I don't know. I'd. Whatever, it's in the fucking yeah. documentary. Yeah, Go you watch you it. look it up. You <laughs> Google it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We're doing a show here, but yeah, I mean, so uh, we're both young as this stuff's happening, and it's just like, yeah, your memory is not great, and it's hard going back watching the games and shit like that because there's hundreds of them. Oh, they so. haven't aged well, you know. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But I, I think like, yeah, I remember like all like you know my grandparents wearing like the Bulls gear all the time, mm -hmm. and like. Just, uh, I remember just all the fucking merchandise, man. Right. I had this, I had this, uh, I don't know if when you, when you were a kid, did you ever have like this, like a big cup in the bathtub you would fill with water and pour over your head? Yeah, like, of course. Of, yeah. That, yeah. I remember very specifically the one I had had Dennis Rodman on it from McDonald's. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was like, if you, if the cup had hot liquid or cold liquid in it, like right. his hair color would change on the side. Well, uh, funny enough, uh, since you're talking about like memorabilia, I actually I went to my parents' house about a week or so ago, a week or two ago, and I grabbed uh, 
my sister had a bunch of the uh, a bunch of the Bulls championship shirts that like were oh, sort yeah, of hand me downs yeah. to me, and I'd wear them as like sleep shirts, you know, when I'm like ten yeah. years old. Oh yeah, same, same. And same. Uh, so I got a, I brought a bunch of those home with me. So that's my my new streetwear merch. So nice. I got the the repeat three peat shirt and all all the classics. All the classics. And not to mention, I mean, the documentary does go into it a bit, but uh, Space Jam. I mean, right. That was like a huge, like, cultural bastion for a lot of people around that time. And, you know, right. I mean, kids, you know, kids, I guess. But, you know, I mean, that was, my, again, Michael Jordan. I mean, there hasn't been anything like that. I mean, up until now, of course. And obviously, it's not as good. We get it. The girl, the Lola Bunny's <laughs> not as, as fucking sexy, smoking hot. Right. And that you had, I'm just saying you had to be there, you know, and the documentary just kind of going into a lot of that. Yeah. Um, God, there, there's so much that the documentary goes into. Like, obviously, it's uh, how long are the episodes? Hour long? Yeah, um, about an hour each. Yeah, I, I think my, you know, when I when I watched it um, and I guess this is sort of the tie in with with me and why I watched it in the first place and why I suggested it um, was like I'd after the whole you know after being stuck inside for however long and you know living through this fucking hellhole of a pandemic like i i stayed up one night watching this and i swear to god i stayed up until like 8 a.m like i started it at like 11 p.m and i yeah, just like I, I couldn't stop watching that. it yeah and it was just like so much of it like just the, the emotion and like the fucking like orchestral score and like the the fucking amazing um like soundtrack and everything that like you know all of the early 90s rap and stuff like that and how they just like interwove that it like it was very to think that some of that footage existed for how long it did and the way that they use that and like all of that shit is just like i don't know it was very profound to me and for like it my big love of it was like having this point of like feeling like you know things are sort of down with life right now and there's no sort of getting back up from it and watching you know the the success of the bulls made me feel like oh i need to work harder and i need to be successful and it was like this yeah, jolt definitely. of positivity in my like creative life that it's just like i needed this right now because like watching this has actually made me feel better and felt like all the struggle of like the entire last year has sort of like to a certain point been worth it you know or that there's there's yeah. a light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Like, I would say I wasn't, like, quite as hooked in the same way, but I mm -hmm. did feel a similar sense of, like, just, I mean, it is truly a unique story right? in the way that this guy is, like, I, there was, like, some, like, some certain poll quotes of his, like, from the movie and, like, some things people would say where he was, like, I'm going to be the best at this, you know? And again, mm -hmm. a very, a very anime, you know? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> But just, like, a guy who was like, hey, I'm going to be the best at this thing, and then just him being the best athlete on the fucking planet, right, you know? Exactly, and just And just, like, yeah. his life, and just, like, he's just like, yeah, I'm going to do this, and then he just does it. And it, it's it, it's just a crazy story, and it's, like, again, like you said, there was a ton of, like, found footage, and it was like, right. how long have they been sitting on this? You like, know? Why, yeah. It, it feels like you're watching something special. So, the the funny thing is, Michael Jordan is such a petty asshole that as soon as LeBron signed his contract for Space Jam 2, he was like, okay, release the footage. Do it. Oh, We're putting that's this out what now. happened? Are yeah. you kidding me? No. <laughs> no. 
Man, I mean, that's just uh, whatever. I mean, because he, you know, he he's he was like the the final deciding vote on when they would release that footage. And then he finally said, do it. And uh, yeah, it it is one of those things. And yeah, like you said, like even in being the best, like his first couple years as an athlete, like he was a, a fucking freak athlete, like a, an insane scorer, like just nobody could fucking touch him, but he didn't have like a good team. So even when he is like, you know, at the top of where any anybody at the top of the NBA is sort of like, holy shit, like, what the fuck do we do with this guy? Oh, we'll just sort of, you know, we'll we'll fuck around with everybody surrounding him and we'll make him sort of like a one man team. And let's see how you, you know, you can sort of, you know, he did sort of mature a little bit and pull back in the time that he spent like you know playing playing baseball and shit like that and the team got to get better then when he returned it's just like oh now you have like an actual foundation you know you have all these other people that are now as good not as good as you but that can fucking support you when you're playing and it it's yeah i don't i can nerd out about a lot of this shit for a long time mm-hmm and uh, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, the different characters, so to speak, like uh, we're talking about like Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen. Right. Um, and he, like the coach, Phil Jackson, uh, you know, a lot of there's yeah. a lot of interest, a lot of interesting personalities, which I right. think you, ha- you have to have an interesting kind of uh, out there mentality, personality, whatever to want to be like, yeah, I'm going to be the best at this thing. You know, most people wouldn't right. think or even say anything like that, you know? Right. And yeah, like the the different, I mean, that's, I think one aspect of the documentary that I really did like was how um they focused on each episode had like their different focal point, you know, um, like the episode about uh, Scottie Pippen and, you know, how he signed this bad contract and how that like, you know, later on, really sort of like uh set up his interaction with the team that he was arguably one of the second greatest nba players at the time and he was you know horrifically underpaid and as a result he would be an asshole you know and it's one of those things where it's like yeah you don't really maybe see that so much on or off the court or whatever but it's just like all this stuff is happening behind the scenes and it's like you you feel sorry for this guy and you you do relate to him in the sense because it's like what the fuck would any of us do you know the guy got fucked you know yeah i mean there's just yeah i mean i'm looking at some of the uh the, the finer details here to kind of remind myself but mm-hmm. um you know it it covers a lot of controversies too like i there's the infamous um you know michael jordan with uh his like the death of his father and there was a lot right. of news stories saying that it was like due to like his uh michael jordan's gambling, gambling yeah stuff which i mean the the documentary uh, excuse me says it was not the case i mean right you know, it doesn't seem like it but yeah i don't wanna... know enough to sort of delve into the details too much but um yeah it's one of those like rumors and whatever controversies right. and i'm it... actually go ahead sorry Oh, I was just going to, I guess, get a little more into my ideas about some of that. But if you had a different sort of talking point that you no, 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 to. just go ahead. Yeah. Um, I there there was like a very human moment where we sort of got to see Michael Jordan's thought process behind a lot of this shit. And when like some of these controversies started coming, controversies started arising and shit like that, like. 
it was difficult because like you know with some of the shit we talk about on thought cops it's like you get all this cancel culture shit and people are out here raping people and people are like sexually assaulting people like coercing them like doing really bad shit being racist all that michael jordan did not even one hundredth of any of the, like he gambled a couple times with Jeez, more they than say it's hard money. they said it's easy to get canceled nowadays yeah well, yeah, back then it was just like, oh, my God, this guy's playing golf before a game. Yeah. Like, it was insane. And it, there there was a level to it that did humanize him a lot more for me because I know it's it's a fun thing for people to be like, Michael Jordan, he's a fucking asshole, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's like, yeah, kind of, sure, whatever. But, like, the, the point being is, like, the guy was, like, the guy was the Mickey Mouse of the NBA, and it was like a standard that society placed on him that he could never fucking, you know, uphold, you know, and it, it, it was yeah. one of those things where he's talking about he's just like, yeah, I, I'm doing normal people things. And like the whole idea of like this, this clean cut kid that's, you know, out here, you know, with with his Nikes on and shit like that, you know, playing a nice clean game of basketball. He's just like, that's not me. I didn't invent that. Everybody else sort of forced that on me. And I'm just, I'm trying, you know, when he talked about, oh, he went, he went to go gamble with his dad the one day. He's just like, yeah, I needed a break. It, w- it was very hard. I was very stressed out. And it's just like the idea that people projected so much onto this guy. I mean, it's difficult. And it is one of those things where this documentary could sort of bring you behind the thought process of like, what did these people actually have to deal with? Because it, it wasn't just like, oh, you just win, 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 win. It's like, no, there, there's still struggle, you know? Like, they still had to fucking struggle with all of this shit, even if that was just managing expectation, you know? Yeah. So. And, you know, there's also, like, a lot of um, a lot of cameos in this. Uh, Obama was in it. Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> well, he was, he was in, like, an older clip. You know, there's, like, yeah, interviews yeah. with, like, modern people. But then there's, like, yeah, like uh jordan like schmoozing with celebrities he's like jerry right. seinfeld i believe uh bill murray might have been hey, one of phil. them yeah yeah <laughs> hey phil uh no it just uh you know then like a, there's like a carmen electra like a lot of um faces people who were involved and, and uh you know this is also uh kobe bryant was in it and it was uh, i think released or not it was obviously after but it was um right you know around the time i think it was dedicated to him yeah and i also see a note here i'm looking i'm looking it up apparently uh this was actually not supposed to release until like the summer and they they pushed it like to get out sooner so people would have like something nice to watch during the pandemic right yeah obviously it didn't really make a difference because you know here we are uh a year later and we're still in the pandemic so you know (laughs) yeah but yeah because i remember a lot of that counts yeah yeah I remember a lot of people talking about it when it first came out, and I was like, I gotta watch that, I gotta watch that, and... Yeah, same. Yeah, it it was just like, oh, let me watch one episode of this, let me get it started, and like I said, it, I fucking nearly watched all of it. Um, um Yeah, I don't know, I mean, there's, uh, it kind of leaves off on, you know, the whole dynasty and whatever it is, and I don't know, just where they are now, and just... You know, there's like some, you know, um, there are emotional moments of, you know, looking back on this stuff and right. um, all that really. But uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say about it, really. Um, the Dennis Rodman episode, I think was like he 
He's definitely one of those weird sort of just like diamond in the rough sort of like yeah people. he like and married it, himself yeah and like just how how they successfully utilized him you know because like his whole his whole again his anime story arc was you know he was like desperately depressed and suicidal like again trying to live up to these expectations of like you know being this clean cut younger kid etc etc to the point where he was just so unhappy he nearly you know he allegedly almost killed himself or whatever and came back with this you know new look new attitude and how they like utilize that to their advantage with the team because it's like you know you remember some of those later seasons he was a very important player and the guy like the guy didn't score he scored like maybe two points his entire career but like his weird unique intelligence behind like why he did things like i swear to god when when he was talking about like Oh, if, if Jordan throws it this way, it's gonna bounce this way. If uh, if Bird throws it this way, it's gonna go this way. Uh, yeah. you know, it hits the backboard, it goes here. It hits here, it goes here. And he's gesturing, and it's just like I rewinded that and watched that like seven times. <laughs> it was just like this guy is the the worst spoken person, <laughs> and, and yeah, he is, really is, and, and is maybe some- one of the most intelligent players on the court somehow. You yeah, know what no, I, mean? I, I like how the documentary does like reveal that, or at least highlight that he is, yeah, you know, very intelligent guy, uh, mm-hmm. and that's why he's friends with uh, Kim Jong Un. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and how uh, how Phil Jackson had this thing about their like weird, uh, their weird like Native American bond together, and how he called him the backwards walker. And it was just like, man, like, again, coming from the point of, like, just being depressed, you know, up until the point that I watched this and sort of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel through watching this, it's just like, man, I I can relate to that so well, just feeling like you're so sort of, like, broken and coming out the other end like this fucking weird person that's just sort of, like, in need of guidance and finding the, the fucking conduit for being able to do that and through some of his controversies of, you know uh over overstaying his one night in vegas and shit like that and you know the fact that he still got to play for the team despite all that it's like they knew uh, despite the fact that it's like you're playing with the greatest player of all time they still knew how to use him correctly you know was fucking amazing to me that was one of my i think one of my favorite parts was the dennis rodman episode I also, um, you know, covered the uh, famous flu game where uh, they explained right. like Michael, Michael Jordan ate a bad pizza and right. they kind of they kind of painted it to seem like he was potentially food poisoned even. Yeah. Um, which, uh, yeah, it shouldn't be that easy to do, but uh, apparently it is. So or at least it was right. uh, Some, not, someone just shows 9/11. up with a pizza and they're just like, yeah, OK, we'll eat it. Maybe yeah. not. I mean, they ordered it, but, you know, they said it was like, very uh, suspicious, you know? Right. Because there's like nothing else open, but hey, he did it, you know, and uh, it's, uh, you know, I mean, that would, God, I can only imagine how fucking awful that was. Right. Like, I've had food poisoning. It's uh, pretty fucking painful. Right. And then imagine being an elite athlete playing like at right. the top yeah. of your game, like, and like, he, you know, again, he fucking held it together. So like, that's in and of itself is just one of those things where it's just like, this is not you know the fucking guy to fuck with you know yeah 
Uh-huh. And you can tell, like, in the difference in drive. Like, I think I brought this up one of the past couple episodes uh, where it's... Uh, I was arguing with, I think, Serial Law Obeyer. Uh, I, I said something along the lines of, like, you, you see the, the footage of LeBron where he's, like, faking getting injured and, like, he, he's pratfalling and shit like that and, like, all, all this stuff. And it's just like, man, this is a guy that, like, almost died from food poisoning and he's just like not taking any shit from anybody it's just like that level of imposing force even like the the past the the final couple games against the uh the utah jazz where scotty pippen was having really bad fucking back pain and they're like you know what don't even play just stand on the fucking court like your presence is enough like that pete like People see Scottie Pippen, they don't want to fuck with you. Like, just be out there. And, like, they kept walking him, like, back out to, like, stretch out his back and then, like, back into the game and back out. And it was just, like, I don't know. It was just fucking amazing. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, um, trying to think. Like, I mean, I, yeah, again, it was, you know, a nice piece of uh, Americana, especially at a time when that was, uh, you know, more respectable or at least uh, an easier, you know, pill to swallow. Right. So yeah, uh, I guess moving on to any, unless you have any further thoughts on this topic, uh, you want to make. No, I mean this is by far. I mean at at least as far as documentaries go, um, it it was one of those things where it's like a fun experience to watch the whole way through, and it doesn't feel like I have to be necessarily glued to every single thing that you know when you watch like a documentary and you're just like, oh, this is sort of boring or whatever the fuck. It was like this was. I think legit good filmmaking disguised as a documentary. So I, I do think it's like one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite documentaries, maybe one of my favorite, like sports mini series or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But I, I liked it a lot and I, it's top shelf for me. So I, I, again, I didn't connect with it quite as much. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of themes and points that I really did enjoy. Uh, I f- honestly, I kind of feel like 10 episodes, like it was like maybe a little long, um, just for me personally, mm-hmm. I did feel like it was like some point, some, I feel like some stuff was not as interesting, but I, you know, right. I get, I get that it's like, it's comprehensive and they have this footage. So I'm right. not, it's not really a complaint, but you know, I would say I would probably put it on the shelf, to be honest, just because, like, again, I'm not, like, a, and I know, like, mm-hmm. neither one of us are necessarily big sports guys, but, like, you know, I, I just, I don't, I really just have a hard time connecting with it as much as, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some people do. And even though, like, I, you know, I, there's plenty of, like, sports movies that I really, really do enjoy. Right. Um like, you know, getting into the major minutiae of this at some point did kind of feel a little, you know, at times, uh, like a little much to me. But, right. you know, it, it, it's a reluctant shelf. Um, right. I would say maybe, you know, I, I'm, I've been bouncing around back and forth in my head whether or not I would put it in the library or just mm. uh, leave it on the shelf. So, yeah, I think I think with me, my ability to recognize like some something that i don't in, inherently sort of understand like when it comes to sports or anything like that is just the concept of like endeavor the concept of human endeavor of human endeavor the the concept of like passion of like discipline of like 
working towards something and like finding things that you need to like work on and make make better you know it that, through through that i can kind of like i always try and relate that back to me in terms of like what i'm trying to do you know like whether mm-hmm. it's with music or with comedy or with whatever it's just like I can look at like what Michael Jordan does. And despite the fact that it's like, I'm, you know, I'm not as athletic as him. I I never would be, could be anything like that. It's still like interesting for me to see the thought process behind a lot of these players and like what goes into that. Because like, I think anybody from any discipline of any, any sort of pursuit can learn something from anything like this, you know? And I I, I I I would agree. yeah. Yeah. I think my, my like, the fact that i was drawn to it was in and of itself like you know just the the cultural shit but i i do think that the added factor of just like my my like intense uh wanting to understand what went into this also sort of fueled like why i liked it so much you know totally uh switching gears a little bit though just a little bit uh We'll be talking about a video game here. It's been a while since we've discussed a video game on Fire Bros. Same, same thing. You, same thing. Yeah, you, I know you and I were both. Uh, I think I remember like I saw the trailer for this and I like sent it to you. I'm like, you got to check this out. And like, yeah, like, oh, that looks really fucking cool. This is Bug Fables, the Everlasting Sapling. Uh, it's an indie RPG game inspired by the art design and gameplay of the very first or the uh, the first two Paper Mario games, which is right. an important distinction to make. Um, I think the reason this game exists is purely because of uh, the first two games are so in the Paper Mario series are so beloved by fans, right? And they went off the third one. They got a little weird with it. Got a little different. It wasn't horrible. After that. you know i I just i no one is really like i don't know no one seems to be enjoying it no one i know at least i i really it's a bummer because those games are truly like it's just so much fun very charming even people that i know that have origami king and that say that they like it are like yeah but it's not the same you know yeah and it's like i mean it doesn't have to be but also like if you got to make the distinction it's like yeah yeah I mean, it it isn't, you know, it really isn't. Right. Uh, but this is a very, very close uh, approximation of that. Uh, Bug Fables was, you know, down, like I said, even the art style, it's very familiar. Um, I'd say it's not quite, like, it's not quite as polished, but it's like maybe somewhere between, like, the N64 and the GameCube game. Right, yeah. In terms of... Uh, I guess the level of polish, if you want to say that, but you know, it's uh, it's a, it's a little different in the sense that it's sort of like, uh, it takes cues from maybe like classic RPG series. Like, you know, in final fantasy, you typically have, uh, or like Chrono Trigger, you have like three party members in a fight. Right. And you kind of focus on leveling them up as opposed to like Mario and his like companions. You switch out. Right. Uh, this game, it follows V Kabu and leaf. And it takes place in this uh, bug kingdom. I think it was called what Bulgaria, Bulgaria, or something. Yeah, I think I think like Bulgaria, but without the bulg, Bulgaria. Oh. I'm assuming. <laughs> I yeah, I never made the connection, but I guess I guess that might have been what they're going for. Um, but I, I really found uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the setup for it. But I, I before uh, before I, I'll hand it off to you. I want to say that I really really liked the setting of this game and the world. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. 
like the lore they set up and everything. Right. It was just very interesting. And I liked how like the different king there's these different kingdoms of like different kinds of bugs and stuff. Right. They really just like had this like simple idea and just ran with it. Yeah, I feel like they expanded on it like really, really well. Like you were talking about the lore and stuff like that. Like there there's an obvious like sort of deep storyline that you know it, yeah, you start off, you're, you're a couple of bugs having adventures, but it's like, but what's with this one guy that keeps speaking in tongues? And like, what's the story behind like some of these cans? And how come there are no people, but there's allusions to the fact that there used to be people? And like, what happened with, mm-hmm. you know, the roaches that apparently used to exist long ago, but now they no longer exist? And like, yeah, the 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 different types of bugs that they have and stuff like that. Like it was a very surprisingly charming game and I think that the Paper Mario aspect of it wore off pretty quickly and I think it found its own sort of unique identity within what they were trying mm-hmm. to do. I think that they found that pretty quickly, you know. Yeah, I'm actually looking at a list here. It says it was also influenced by Persona 5, Golden Sun, and Xenoblade Chronicles. That's that's yeah. interesting. I, I, I could see... I played Xenoblade. I can kind of see that. So this is actually made by a very small uh, independent game studio out of Panama called Moonsprout Games. So, yeah, like a very small team put it together, um, you know, which is, again, very impressive. And... Right. Um... You know, there's like this, this like artifact is like the everlasting sapling. There's, you know, there's this mystery of like this potential corruption, you know, it just, I mean, I don't know. The game again is very charming. I would say like, I mean, I would say it's not a perfect game. Right. Um, it, Parts of it feel, I, it's hard to explain. Like parts of it feel like, I don't want to say clunky. But I can't think of a better word, so I guess honestly, I, will. I kind of agree with clunky. Um, there there were times when, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think our main complaint. Well, I I think this is one complaint that's indicative of other things. But like the fucking bee meringue. Oh, was, thank you for bringing that up. I God yeah. damn it, yeah. It's it's central to what you have to do in the platforming elements of the game, but it's not the smoothest thing that you use you know like it is clunky it's difficult to use and you use it often and i feel like that's sort of the game in general like it's hard not comparing it to paper mario because obviously that's sort of more or less the origin behind the idea but like like the the battle uh the battle scenes or the battle screen gameplay whatever like the battles were not as fluid, it didn't feel like. Like, it felt clunky, it felt difficult sometimes, it it felt like some of the action commands and stuff like that, just like, it didn't have the same sort of lived-in feel as some of the Paper Mario games had, it didn't have that, I would like, agree, yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. Like, the stuff with, you know, like, I guess the easiest uh, analog to think of is, um, I forget, what was the name of Paper Mario? Cooper or something, Coop, like the guy with the bandaid on his nose. Coops, I think. Coops, yeah. where you would like jump on his shell and kick him, you know, like uh, in, in the yeah, yeah. in the main games. And that's like you know you hit a switch or something. I feel like this like boomerang or beamerang rather. It just you have to like hit it in this exact right angle in the exact same spot, and you got to like hold the button down, and you got to like 
kind of angle your fingers on the controller in a weird way. And it sounds like a minor complaint, but they make you do this quite a bit. Yeah, the the platforming elements of it weren't fantastic. Yeah, I would find myself like jumping on platforms and like falling off. And like, granted, it wasn't like a huge setback most of the time. Like sometimes you would take damage, though. Like, oh, well. Whoops, or maybe not. I actually don't know if you took... I think it just kind of set you back. Yeah, I but think regardless, it just set you back. But yeah, it was, it was yeah. like frustrating sometimes, you know? And Yeah, uh, and I know like Paper Mario, what, you know, I guess it, it did not have that same level of issue. I mean, like, I, I, I wouldn't expect the precision platforming of like the, the, the regular games, but mm-hmm. it, it, it felt a little more responsive for sure than like the, the platforming in this game. Right, yeah. And again, like, the, I think the the battle shit sort of, like, wore me down after a while. Again, like I mentioned at the at the top of this episode, um, I've been playing Paper Mario, like, the first one um, yeah. for the streams, and it's been, like, uh, it's just a very, like, yeah, I, I like, those games are very polished, they're very refined, everything feels correct in your hand, like, the action commands feel good to hit, like, you know, it feels good to dodge, like, all that stuff. This it's like it it did sort of start wearing down on me to the point where it's like I don't dislike the game, but it it did after a while, you know, it obviously it took me a long time to get through it. And it's because I was having like some difficulty playing it. You know, it wasn't as rewarding as fulfilling, which mm-hmm. is disappointing to me because I like the game so much and I like the world so much and I like the creativity of all of it. And like to to know that like the the gameplay elements themselves sort of didn't live up to that felt sort of like disappointing to me, you know. I mean, granted, it's like it was definitely refreshing to return to this kind of game, right? Yeah, albeit it's not. I mean, it's not Paper Mario, but it's damn close. And in some ways, I think like the storytelling was like you you know potentially like even more like advanced and whatever oh, like, they, they realize yeah. hey we're doing our own thing let's just have some real fun with this yeah and uh, like i think that that comes across and like you know not not to jump too far ahead with the the whole rating system or whatever i probably would shelf it but i think my one criticism is i would like to see since this game seemed to be somewhat of a success if they were to come out with a sequel that was like really good like thousand year door version of this game like i'd be a hundred percent down to like purchase the sequel to this game you know i mean i i would hope so and i'm really i think that it it got a lot of critical acclaim and like just for the level of like i i'm imagining this was probably pretty low budget and i think it seemed to Mm -hmm. sell pretty well too so i would be surprised if there wasn't anything to follow it yeah um but we'll see. Uh, you know, I again, like I, you mentioned the battle system. Like it could get a little. I mean, like any RPG, like it, you know, can be somewhat redundant after a while. But I did find right. it. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy when RPGs throw in like an extra like timing or action mechanic where it's not just picking and choosing. You know, right? Uh, moves. So and- I, I, I like like the different characters. Like I enjoyed. Um, uh like kabu like you have to hold down the stick and let it go at the right moment Mm -hmm. and do more damage and like throw in the beam ring in battle was fun right or the um uh leaf with the uh the the ice moves and stuff like that uh and learning new moves learning the combo moves like dropping kabu from above and he digs him out and stuff right like really utilizing those like on a boss battle felt pretty rewarding i would say 
Right. And yeah, they're they're definitely had to be I'd say compared to Paper Mario, which like again, you know, I was like in elementary and middle school when those games came out and like same. I don't yeah. think that they're necessarily easy. Like towards the end of some of those games it does get pretty fucking difficult. But like they're very like beginner friendly and as as it, you know, yeah. as they go on, you know, they become more and more difficult. But like I could beat those games, you know, as as a younger person. This game was a little more difficult, you know, and whether or not that was like just the difficulty or if it was just because it was a little less refined, like you did have to utilize a little bit more strategy, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. I had to think a little bit more. I had to think about every move that I was going to do, which in and of itself was sort of rewarding. But again, I felt like I was sort of dragging through it. And I guess the only other thing would be like the the badge system. The badges were a lot more important than I sort of realized, like. Again, the the Paper Mario games, you could sort of go with or without the badges, and there's some people that do, like, badge-only runs and shit like that, but, like, I it took me too long in Bug Fables to realize that, like, there are some badges you, like, definitely need to get and you definitely need to use because, like, it's too hard not to have that. And, you know, when I started pairing together, there's one that, like, uh, the the user becomes poisoned, but then you match that with like, oh, poisoning heals or whatever the fuck. And it's just like, I didn't know you could like use these two in conjunction with each other sort of thing. And it's yeah, like, I, d- I didn't think about I mean, the fact that it's yeah. like, I, I think what's great about like, you know, th- that mentality for game design is it's like, right. Well, I think the best games have a very easy accessibility, but a very mm-hmm. high skill ceiling where it's like you can right. think about stuff. You're like, oh, wow, there's a lot of, you know. I think that's why, you know, Pokemon is so popular is because yeah. it's easy to figure out and pick up and play. You get it. It's very simple. But then, like, people who are in tournaments, like, you know, that's a level of dedication right. and, like, strategy that, like, I couldn't even comprehend. Yeah. You're making, like, spreadsheets and shit like that. Like, people know yeah, yeah. all of the stats of everything inside and out. And I would also hate for that to be sort of, like, central to the game though and i did feel like once i started sort of plateauing with bug fables that i had to start looking things up really? and i hate yeah i hate having I like to look I, things up i never really had to do that for the badge system i guess like i don't know maybe i just did more grinding but i feel like even then it wasn't that much but like i i didn't find myself having to um rely too heavily on the badge combos and stuff like that or what are they called badges, or was it something else? It might have been something else, but badges is fine. Yeah, more or less. Of, yeah, yeah. they're they're called medals. 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 Yeah, close enough. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there was you know some parts like yeah, like again like any RPG to some extent where it's like oh hit the flying enemy with the boomerang, then when he's right. on the ground you can hit him with kabu that kind you know right. but you can only hit the front enemy with you know that whatever like that strategy you know. And what I will say, actually, is maybe it would have been nice if it was more than just three characters. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like, granted, in Paper Mario, you always have Mario out, but what, there's like mm-hmm. nine or ten partners per game? Or, right. you know, like Final Fantasy VII, it's like, yeah, you use three characters at a time, but you have, again, like eight or nine characters, and you swap them out, you know, throughout the game and different battles and stuff, like, 
Right. I did find myself getting a little bit tired of the same three characters with the same things they do every time. Yeah, that aspect did get stale. I I did sort of like it in terms of it, like, they did explain at the beginning, they're like, oh, you know, every exploration team is two people, but you guys can Except have three for this or whatever. One. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it well, was like, I mean, one they of didn't those... Have to do, they didn't have to say that, though. That was just right. like... They felt like that was like, oh, this is convenient for the... Uh, and again, I know it's a very, uh, I'm assuming it's a very small staff. I mean, they, right. yeah, from the research I've done, it seems like it. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I would have liked more variety because when I, you know, like I, when I play an RPG series, like I just played uh, like Dragon Quest Eleven. it's like there's again, eight or nine different party members and right. I will like swap them out because it's just kind of like keep it interesting, you know, and that wasn't the case yeah. for this game. Yeah. And like even... If they had different moves or different sort of things like that, and I know that like that eventually you learn different things and stuff like that, but yeah, that's true. It did, it did sort of, yeah, it, it got a little bit boring when it's just like, oh, the ice guy uses the ice attack. Yeah. The boomerang guy uses the boomerang attack. Like, it's like, yeah, maybe one of them gets a sword or so, like I, maybe they like level up the right like something something to keep you a little more engaged. Maybe you level up like that. That's another thing that I don't think that they did is they didn't really. I guess everything was through the metal system because like if you wanted to level up your attack or like you know add extra hit points or something like that, most of it was like through the metals, you know. Which well, it was, was like sort a, it was of like, like Paper Mario, though. You could like you could upgrade your hit points, your teamwork points, yeah. or your uh, metal. But, well, I guess yeah, your metal points. In, in Paper Mario, also though, it's like oh, you get the new hammer, and the new hammer does more damage. And there was no thing like that that was like oh, now you can beat like the easier enemies easier because like you're hitting more. You know, it was yeah. just like oh, you still get the one damage fucking boomerang for the entire game. Good luck. Uh, Leo's you in the know. chat. He says, Paper Mario, my favorite topic. I was hoping he would well, <laughs> show up to... Uh, yeah. So, actually, this is a... Bug Fables is a spiritual successor, uh, successor to Paper Mario, I would say. That is true. That is true. Um, What did you think of the music in this game? Um, I guess since I streamed it so much, I didn't really pay too much attention to the music, to be honest. Um, I, I liked it. I didn't it. really I would notice say, like, it. It was, it was like, it could be a little bit redundant in some points, mm. but I, I did find like, when I started playing it, like the look and sound of the game, like immediately like hit off the, it like, just like, it, it's like when you're trying to like scratch something on your back and you can't hit this one crack of your back for a long time. And eventually like, just like hearing the music and seeing the visuals, it was like, oh, that's it. Yes. Right. That's yeah. it. No, I, and I, I think, yeah, no, it really hit that, say, yeah, that yeah. point. It it does feel like that's the one thing that's the one aspect of the game that I really appreciated was just like the the feel of it and again just like the, just the creativity and the way that they created this world I think was my favorite aspect of it but again when it came down to the gameplay itself I was sort of like eh you know yeah, it, like I mean like I would say like the, the battle theme it. I love the boss battle theme was mm -hmm. a lot of fun um. And, like, I mean, some of the exploration areas, like, I did find myself getting stuck in a couple of them, which was, like, yeah. I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do, you know? Right. Um, um, but that being said, am I trying to, I don't think I have a whole lot else to say about this. I guess my only thing would be, like, a self-criticism, and this is me playing a lot of video games, especially recently. 
is I I had it on hard mode almost the entire game. And I oh, do right, feel yeah. I do feel because I'm thinking like, oh, because you beat it on hard mode, you get all these extra badges and shit like that, you know, which is like rewarding. But like, it, I think it came at the cost of like the game. Some of the bosses in the game were super fucking difficult. And I do feel like that's part of the reason that it wore on me so much is just like. It it becomes less enjoyable, and I do think that I, I've noticed that I make things hard on myself because I do try and be completionisty about it, and it's like I should have just did the fucking easy mode and just had a, a more fun time playing it. You know, I think sometimes like going yeah, for the maybe most that difficult actually... setting can be sort of you know bewildering, and it does suck the fun out of a lot of shit just because it's like because you feel like you have to do it, and it's like I don't think that that's always necessarily true, you know. Yeah, I I didn't because there was like at the beginning of the game they give you that hard mode badge because I think it, they tell you it yields like better rewards or something. Yeah, yeah. But I think I might have used it like maybe once or twice the entire game. I used it the entire game until the last boss, and then I turned it off because I just couldn't beat him. And that last boss was tough enough without that. I'll I'll yeah. say that much. That was a tough one. That was a toughie. Well, I I took hard mode off and then beat him in the first try. I was so Rock was Lee with the weights. A lot easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um and then yeah, there's there's another aspect of the game that was like uh the uh I never even got to it because once I finished the game, I was just like, I'm, I'm done with it. I don't want to play anymore. But um, the the bounties where you go around and you beat other monsters in the game, like that's another thing. That oh, you could I did. Do. I did do some of that stuff. Like, like I didn't like when I finished the game, I did a little bit more exploring right. and I was like, you know, I'm dumb. I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know? Right. But and I, there was like I did some of the side quests. Like there was that one like that one like person with like she's like a lady with an umbrella she's like i went like i fought uh, her like too early in the game and i got my ass kicked and i came right, back later right. and like just it was so easy yeah um yeah i did the same thing with the quests too where it's like i'm gonna try and get all these quests done and it's just like maybe i should just play the game you know i yeah, I get I sidetracked think- with a lot of that shit way too easy and it's just like eh, if, yeah. if it starts coming at the you know, at the expense of me not enjoying it, maybe I shouldn't be fucking doing some of this stuff. Maybe I should yeah. just enjoy it, you know? And that's kind of like the what I've accepted with a lot of these kinds of games. It's just the pacing of them where right. it's like, it, it seems like, you know, there is a couple things I ran into in this game where it was like, like I ran into a couple bosses that I didn't know were side bosses. Like I remember right. I was talking to you about this one. Like I'm like, this is so fucking hard. And you're like, oh, you don't have to do that part. I'm like, oh, yeah. And I realized that was like probably like an end game thing. And I was like, I accessed it like after the second boss. And I was like, how the, I was like grinding for two hours. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Cause I, I had ran into the same, the same boss for the exact same reason, because I thought I was on the way, um, to the second boss. And I definitely wasn't. And it's funny that we both ran into him in the, in the, in the same way. Mm hmm. But yeah, uh, I, th- I think you you mentioned what you put it on the shelf. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a I think it's a shelf for me. I'm gonna here's my verdict. I'm gonna say I'm putting it in the library, but I'm putting it on a lower shelf, and I'm dusting That's off fair. a higher shelf. And I'm like, 
saving it, I got a little sign on the shelf that says, this is where Bug Fables 2 goes. Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm of the exact same mindset. If they if they come back with a, a bigger, better, more robust, more refined game, I'm a thousand percent down for it. Yeah, you heard it here, folks, behind the paywalled episode of Fire Bros. We are uh, saving a spot for you in the library of regress. Uh, attention to the Bug Fables development team. Right. Um, Who is it? listening uh, right now? Moonsprout Games. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on, though, to the third topic of the session. Uh, I, want, I, I want to refer to these as sessions, like in Cowboy Bebop. They didn't call the episodes episodes. They called them sessions, and it was so much cooler. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we have these listed as books on the Patreon because Oh, it's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll figure book it out. Book one, book uh, maybe, 22. Maybe we'll do, a, we'll do a, uh, a th- uh, another spinoff show at some point. Who knows? Well, uh, but we, the next we one- could do sessions for each story, you know? Each, yeah, each so, thing could be a session. That's true. So this yeah. session is, uh, this is a Netflix original. Session three. Mockumentary. Uh, this is called Death to 2020. It's by the Black Mirror creators, Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones. Is it really? Yeah. Listen, I... I, I, I thought I, you were kidding. I, I, I am not going to hold back. I thought this was one of the worst things I have seen in years. This was so fucking yeah. bad. I, know, and I, I I've been holding I've been holding back. I've been holding back. I I, I told you to watch this, and I didn't I didn't yeah. want to tell you. I didn't want to tell you like what my opinion was, and I think you probably could have figured it out when you're watching it. Like, yeah, there's no yeah, way he liked much. this piece of crap, right? But like when I suggested it to you, I was like so ashamed that I was even typing it. But I was like, I just want to talk about how fucking horrible this was. Right. Yeah. God um, damn it. In the same way that I said that The Last Dance was maybe one of my favorite documentaries ever. This is one of my least favorite documentaries ever. Like, honestly, it was insulting to watch. It was incredibly insulting. It was like... <laughs> It was so, I was embarrassed. Like, I was, like, sitting there, like, slinking into my seat, physically cringing the entire <laughs> time. God, it was just, if you're gonna, if you're gonna satirize this, first of all, number one, do a good job and be funny about it. That's the most important thing. Oh do a God. good job. Uh, second of all, maybe wait till the fucking year is over. This came out at the end of 2020. Granted, it was the end of it, but they had to produce it and stuff. And like, right? They were they were clearly making it while, you know, a lot of this stuff was happening, and a lot of this stuff was also very much uh, tone deaf. It's like, yo, you like, uh, it's not funny to joke about this right now. People are still right. fucking dying from this left and right. People are out of jobs. People like. They talked about like the yeah. Black Lives Matter with like George Floyd and like it, it entered this like weird somber like oh just my, yeah shift and it was just like I felt like somebody just like snapped my <laughs> neck like Exorcist style and my head just spun around like what the fuck just happened what the fuck just happened and I'm like right. oh my god this stupid movie's still going because it's in the middle of because I have I have that written down in my notes uh, because I actually took notes about how angry this made me um. The George Floyd stuff was like in the middle of these dumb jokes and you have all these like big celebrities that they can't really figure out how they were using the celebrities in the first place. Like they're like, oh, here's Samuel L. Jackson playing character Samuel L. Jackson. But here's Lisa Kudrow playing 
woman from White House. And yeah, yeah, she was supposed you know. to be like a, a a Trump staffer, and like yeah, this is this is already aged so poorly. We're three months yeah. into twenty twenty one, and it's like completely unrelatable. Like and then, just, yeah, uh, in the middle of these like dumb bits and dumb jokes, they're like George Floyd died on, and it's just like, dude, it's you can't so like bad. Yeah, like you said, it, it's like I got fucking whiplash from it. It's like. Yeah, man, a lot of the, like, I know you're doing, like, a weird snarky sort of, you know, whatever the fuck, but, like, yeah, like you said, like, last year was fucking hell for a lot of people, and there was a lot of serious shit people had to reconcile with, and to put, like, the the death of a person that caused a worldwide outrage, you know, and, like, a, a level of advocacy that people still aren't taking seriously... To just shove that in the middle of like your your fucking dumb Twitter jokes was like insulting to him, insulting to me as a viewer, insulting to everybody involved in it. God, you know, like honestly, I I was kind of like I was I got to remind myself like what happened because I I watched this when it came out, which was again in December, and again I apologize for the delay, but like as I began talking about it, like my eyes just like glossed over <laughs> and I entered the avatar state and I just remembered this horrible fucking piece of shit <laughs> and like every fucking detail. So yeah, you mentioned the cast here. We got a star studded cast folks. You're going to want to watch it. Uh, it's Samuel Jackson, Hugh Grant, Lisa Kudrow, Leslie Jones, Kumal Nanjiani, Tracy Ullman, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, just to name a good handful, but like, I mean, the jokes and again, like, you know, we were like, oh, well, it's death to 2020 where everybody thinks 2020 is a big garbage fire. Like, that's the whole thing. But it's like, right. it's like it, it just comes across from this like just this very antiquated sense of humor as well, where I it's have, just like just I have to- written in my notes. Uh, working title was fuck 2016. Because right, it's the right, same right. level of gravitas. Because the whole funny thing about funny fuck twenty sixteen is it's just like things aren't really that bad, but like there's things that are happening that are bad, but it's not like it's not bad, bad yet, but like we all sort of hate this year. It's a collective dumpster fire. They took that energy and put that forward to describe a year that was actually that bad. You know, it's yeah. that oh fuck twenty six fuck twenty twenty, and it's like Hey man, a lot of people died, and again, like not even <laughs> over. Not it, yeah. it, it, it released at the peak of the fucking virus at its absolute worst, right? And again, there was like a horrible fucking you know politics race. The Capitol was raided a week after this movie came out. <laughs> yeah, just awful like and they were trying to do this like oh both sides ha 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 like thing and just god like ripping it was like yeah but everybody knows joe biden's a creep and it's like yeah we don't like him either man like that's not like it's not you're not kicking both sides like there's a lot of people who didn't like either one of them and like it's not like acting like oh this is just how it is just i mean like i am so angry even thinking about this again i i am just livid like well it was disgusting there was a scientist (laughs) there was a character who was a scientist who was trying to figure out how to cure COVID 19 which oh very funny yeah the virus that's still continuing to wipe up the global population where he was learning to floss 
he and do the like do the flaw stance and like i had to like i had to stop myself from pulling out a large brown clump of hair from my head <laughs> like, do you remember the scientist because of course i think they were playing the scientist off to be like he was like and may- maybe the actor was i i don't know but he had a very thick like central african dialect like he was nigerian or something i think he is i'm I'm looking it up he is right now yeah they they definitely played into that because if you remember do you remember the scientist's explanation for how coronavirus came to be because i i I don't remember i have the quote right here and i kind of want to do the voice but i won't maybe i'll slip into it a little bit but he says uh he said the coronavirus came from a man getting bat juice in his pee-pee hole. Is that, is that funny to anyone? I mean, that's not even funny to people who believe in that. That's not funny to people <laughs> who don't believe in that. And that's not funny to people who are like that childish either, who find that kind of like humor to be funny. <laughs> he got bat juice. Bat juice. Bat juice, you know, bat juice. And I, you know what? It's funny because if more people watch this fucking piece of shit, or at least, or at least, like, stuck around long enough to get to that part of the movie, there probably would have been a controversy. But like, we need to talk about death of twenty twenty and how it promotes like anti Asian stereotypes where they eat bats. But it's like nobody even cared. It was like, right? It was so like, it was so unceremonious. It couldn't even get canceled. Um. Because there were some cancelable moments, too. Um, I have two things written down here. Uh, you know, Joe Keery, right? Joe Keery was, uh, he's in, um, he's the guy with the oh, hair in, yes, what's it called? Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah Stranger Things. Uh, uh, native Chicagoan, by the way. Went to oh, DePaul. okay. Um, two things he did that were really funny that I had to take note of. One, he was talking about he was doing DJ sets for people. You know, that was his way of, uh, you know, oh, coping with I, the I, virus. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, his DJ name was DJ Gender Neutral Parties. That's funny, man. That That's was really his good. DJ name was DJ Gender Neutral Parties. Topical, I guess. Like, also, it's, like it's the not even thing. good. Remember the he was like he's been like the, I think that that was the one thing that was like kind of close to being clever was like him like i didn't he have some bit about how he like blew his all his money on like only fans or something yeah and then uh if you remember the part directly after that there was a joke where he jokingly drove around a black neighborhood to show how brave he was do you remember that yeah and it's like the, it, it, it would be funny if they weren't trying to be it, 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 it would be funny if they weren't coming across as like we have to play it safe. There's probably like, honestly, there's probably like a whiteboard in the, in the writer's room for this where like they had like, you know, it was marked in two halves left and right. And they had to have like 50% jokes on both of them just because like we we wanted to be as palatable as possible to the lowest common denominator of human being. And that's, I mean, (laughs) I mean, I, I watched this because, uh, I don't I don't never mind. I don't want I want to shit talk someone just in case they <laughs> I will suck okay, it. I'll say it. Somebody okay. said that it was funny and they said that it was like oh actually it's more like a documentary even though it's a fake one and, and just like I'll bite, you know, I was bored. Had this person know? not seen The Office? Well, I think they were like trying to say like oh yeah, like it's just like the kind of like the kind of person who thinks it's funny to call 2020 a dumpster fire. That that is funny. 
I mean, debatable. But alas, I, I digress. I, I watched the movie and uh, it was very, very hard to get through. Like Leslie Jones character in this movie. I mean, I'm just going through the list of like just right. all these memories. Like it's flashing back to me. Like her whole thing is just like, yeah, I just hate people. And it's like, I mean, that's not. <laughs> it just it, it's so tone deaf and not funny. It's just like, moreover, it's so not funny. Right. One, like, one, painfully one of, so. One of my notes in here that I, I specifically wrote down at some point while watching it, I wrote, there's a way to make tragedy funny, and this isn't it. No, 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 it's not. And it was like, they played it both like too safe and like went too far. It was just this weird, uncomfortable... Right. Like the whole, oh, I'm going to drive around a black neighborhood and like to show how how safe it is. It's like, you know, because there's people that do YouTube videos like that. You know, that is a thing. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, that's like bad. It's like you could you could parody it so much better. You know, like if you were to parody that, you could turn the guy into an actual like Nazi, you know, and like that's the joke is that he's like a uh, who's who's the one guy that's a that's a Nazi that ran against AOC the one time Joey salads. You could turn him into like a Joey salads parody and it'd be like poignant. And it'd be like, these are the types of people that do this type of stuff. They're pieces of shit. But instead his, he's DJ gender neutral party. Give me a fucking break. And like, not to mention like within the same practical breath, they did a tribute to George Floyd. (sighs) Yeah. Like just, (sighs) And I, 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 I'm also remembering uh, the remember the Karen in the movie, the the house mom who uh, got like yeah red pilled yeah. into being a Nazi. Yeah, it was funny. It was because of like yeah. Facebook groups. Like, what the fuck? I thought it was 4chan. Were they just like thinking like, oh, like our our audience is like so milk toast they wouldn't even know what 4chan is because they're too scared to use the internet outside of Facebook. And right. Netflix on their fucking internet browser. Well, that yeah, and that's why I think it's like insulting. You know that that that's another degree of insultingness. Is it, it's insulting to your intellect because if they would be a little more precise with the jokes, I think maybe less people would get them. But the people that got them would appreciate that they put in a little bit of effort. Like but that's just not why this exists. Like clearly, it's made just to sort of like of pander. Yeah, right. It. it it's literally just like, and I mean, you know, added to the fact that there are several SNL cast members in this. It's like if SNL did a documentary. It's that level of yeah, just yeah. dumb. I mean, that's true. It, like, it, it, it's very much on the same level of just completely out of touch and completely unfunny. Um, I have written down, I, I made note of the time when um, Hugh Grant's character, who was like this weird, like, you know, oh sort of God. posh English librarian, yep. was confused about whether or not Westeros was real. That's not funny. That show is like not relevant either. <laughs> right. Also, it wasn't even on TV in 2020, which is the year that's in the title of the movie. Nobody's talking about Westeros in the year 2020. Like, it's I, not. Know, remember that fucking girl, like the British girl who's like, oh, I'm watching a documentary. It's called America. No, I've. If I didn't have notes on this, I would have <laughs> wiped it Do you it not from remember or you do just not want to remember? I, I don't remember. There was like the character, she was like watching the news and she was like, 
it was this like long running gag throughout the whole movie. They would cut to her and she thought that the whole she thought America was the name of a documentary or no, I'm sorry. Oh, it was the name of a reality show because it's so crazy here. The jokes are so like it's so fucking embarrassing. It's it's just one of those things where I I do look at some of the things people you know you know when uh I don't know I I feel like this is a point of view that I have towards so many things nowadays is that people don't raise people don't rise to a certain level because of their experience and their expecti- ex- expertise or anything like that like sure some people do you know if you go to however many years of medical school blah 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 but like. You know, you can become a doctor, you can be grown really good at being a doctor, et cetera, et cetera. I can't just become a doctor. But, like, you do realize, yeah. like, how many people are in certain levels of, like, oh, you're a writer for a TV show, you're a owner of a company, you're this, you're that, you're a politician. And it's just, like, you know, at a certain point, when do you realize that just, like, literally everybody's an idiot and nobody knows what they're doing and you have just as good a shot at becoming a writer for one of these fucking tv shows as anybody else does because very clearly the people that worked on this did not give a fuck about putting any work any time any effort into actually creating something a fucking monkey could have written this (laughs) honestly i mean yeah and that very well could have been the case uh, which in the, if that were the, if that were the case, I would be slightly impressed, but only slightly because it is that fucking bad. Yeah, and I also I want to call out in the movie one of the most jarring points in the movie is something that neither of us have even talked about yet. There is a five to ten minute commercial for Netflix in the movie. <laughs> Do you remember this when the Queen of England is like talking about how? She's like, oh, I'm on Netflix and I can't get past the front page. All I do is browse, you know, and it's like, oh, so relatable, you know, it's like this, like, and then like she literally goes through like the front page of Netflix and starts like going down a list (laughs) and talking about the different like Netflix original shows. And it's not just like a one off thing that she goes into like great detail about like several of them where it's like, this is a commercial like in a movie. Okay, so I have written down, these are the three words I have written down. I have, I wrote Queen Elizabeth thing. And honestly, that's the most I remember because I've tried so hard to block this from my memory that I have to go off notes because I, I don't remember that happening because the whole thing was so bad. It's, it's like a dumpster fire in, in the fact that if you try and see what's inside the dumpster while it's on fire, you can't, you can pick maybe a couple things out, but you can't pick everything out because it's on fire. That's how it feels. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I'm also thinking about one of the worst jokes in the whole movie as well was, uh, they were like Sam Samuel Jackson's character had some joke where he's trying to equate Greta Thunberg to Billie Eilish because they're both like depressing teenagers or they're they're teenagers who say depressing things. <laughs> I'm convinced that Billie Eilish is a fucking psyop, like doesn't exist. Yeah. And like Greta Thunberg is like it's depressing that like we're talking about global warming. I mean, like I guess it's depressing, but like that's kind of like a really weird way to write it off like the take of the joke is like 
it's like it, it feels very much like the tina fey like just eat sheet cake you know kind right. of thing well i also have it written in my notes that this is basically like the movie version of the imagine song yeah that's actually a very apt comparison just throw some celebrities in have them they don't even have to sing in tune just put put a celebrity face on they can deliver their lines yeah fuck we'll it. all who feel cares? better yeah fuck it who cares you're sad i'm sad too in my mansion it's um, the same shit i don't have a whole lot else to say about this i know i'm kind of like just yeah again well, entering this sort of like fugue state that brought on de- by just thinking yeah. about this it deserves it so yeah no, so i, I mean i <laughs> i think this might i'll have to go over the list of other stuff we've talked about on fire bros but I, i'm right i, I maybe i may be jumping the gun but i think this is probably the worst thing we've talked about on here i most likely agree with that um and it can't all be good stuff they can't all be just like oh i really like this thing i really like right we have to like there there is a fucking you know there's a bonfire there's a, a, a blistering uh tower of flames in the right. library for a reason and that's exactly where this is gonna go i'm actually gonna um i'm actually going to uh wipe my ass with it first and uh puke on it and uh what, what do they say um put bad juice out of my pee-pee hole on it or whatever the fuck <laughs> yeah you know um, that and then just watch it just every ash just like is like fluttering in the air above me yeah i'd like to give it the uh the hitler treatment um maybe put a cyanide capsule inside of the book um, Ah, okay shoot it while cracking the cyanide capsule open and then throwing it into the fire that's what i feel like it i like deserves. that yeah. i like that and I would 100% agree. This yeah. is awful. I think, okay, the only... If you've been at all intrigued by this and you haven't seen it before, uh, get some friends together. You know, if you guys are all, you know, in the same... You know, this is a little treat for you. Get vaccinated. Get some friends together. <laughs> and just just get blackout drunk and yeah. watch this and have a laugh at how bad it is. It's one of those, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, actually, I would say... I would caution you to say maybe wait 10 years so it's not as like current because it, it's definitely too soon and I, I i can't believe i'm using that like unironically but it's right. it's it's too soon for this this is just for the tone they're going for the the vision of this it, it's just all kinds of tone deaf yep and it tries uh, to play it off like it's self-aware tone deafness but it definitely is not in fact no. it's more insulting that they think that they're trying to be self-aware at all. Uh, let's move on to the last session of the book, or whatever the hell we're calling it now. Um, the last chapter, perhaps. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure that, I mean, it out as least, we're going. That's at least thematically appropriate. So, that makes sense. Uh, the last item on the docket, whatever, is uh, Tickled. Uh, tickled is a 2016 New Zealand documentary about competitive endurance tickling. That's how this was pitched to us. Uh, this was from the people in the Discord. A good number of people in the Discord were like, you guys have to watch this, you know? Right. And I, I'd heard of this before. I didn't know same, anything about same. it. Same, And then they were like, everybody was like, don't look anything up about this. Don't. And right. that's what I'm going to say now is if you haven't seen this, honestly, I would say, you know, I kind of want to save this for last because of this. Yeah, yeah. Pause this and watch it. I think what was it on Grant uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix or no? It was on Hulu. It was on Hulu. Right? Yeah, it was on Hulu. Yeah. So if you have a Hulu subscription, it's on there. Um, 
And yeah, I, I think that this is, they were right. Watch this with an open mind and, uh, you know, clear eyes and without any, any preconceptions because that, that, Again, was how they pitched it to us. It's about a documentary about competitive tickling, which sounds crazy and weird and whatever, but uh, it it definitely gets very weird and disturbing, like no joke. Yeah, I mean the the direction that it went in, like l- like you said, people have told me to watch this before, and I was sort of like, eh, yeah, whatever, and they're like, no, it like. It starts off and you think that it's one thing and then it goes deeper and then it goes deeper, you know, like, which I feel like that's a, there's a lot of documentaries that are like that where they're like, it goes deep. And it's like, yeah, that's that's called yeah. doing a documentary. But this it did go in a weird direction, like way beyond anything I would have comprehended. But like, I don't know, it, it made sense the direction that it went in, but also like. I didn't think it'd go there to that degree. You know what I yeah. mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, the the basic, I guess, and, you know, if you're listening now, I'm just going to go ahead and say spoil- the spoiler chains are off. We're just going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, this guy's uh, David Farrier. Farrier, I forget how to pronounce his name, but he's this New Zealand television reporter. He's focusing on quirky and odd stories. Uh, he ends up getting this uh, story comes across his desk about competitive endurance tickling, which is this uh, these guys like they tie each other down and like, you know, tables and stuff and like they tickle and they have to like endure the tickling, which if you've been tickled, you know, pretty hard, you know how that can be. Uh, it could be, you know, like, God, like, oh, me, huh? you know, you're laughing your ass off and whatever. It's been a, right. Grant, when's, when's the last time you've been seriously tickled? <laughs> I I couldn't tell you. Um, but I'm well, I'm sure that all of the listeners have have uh have been tickled before. I'm I'm sure. I I'm honestly I, I can't I can't remember the last time I was seriously tickled. Not to say that I miss it, especially after watching this. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember like there was like I feel like it's easier to get tickled when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, like, of course, yeah. Where it's just you're like much more. Your I don't know. Your skin's more sensitive, and like it turns into like get off me, man. You start fucking like punching right. someone because they're tickling you too hard. Well, and like kids are little and they're cute and they're fun and they're funny. And like an adult is just like, what, what's going on here with this? What are you, why, why are you touching me? You know, sort of shit, you know? Um, that being said, it, it was, they sort of explain it a little bit more in like as, as the, as the, uh, documentary goes on, they explain this concept a little bit more. But the, the weird thing about these videos that they were making is that they weren't explicitly sexual, but there was a weird underlying deviant sexuality that was sort of being portrayed but it it never got to the point where it's like they're they're having these these tickle fights or whatever the fuck and that they're like undressing each other or that oops one guy gets a boner or something like that like that never as far as i saw that never happened in the videos that the guy was producing and then they they got into a little bit more like yeah tickle fetishes are a thing in porn and stuff like that and they showed like an example of like you know this one guy who's a porn actor that does do actual tickle fetishes and like the the drastic difference between you know the the consensual pornographic actor you know doing that versus like these weird sort of down on their luck guys that were like signing up for this weird shady thing that they saw in a newspaper that they started getting like harassed and threatened over 
it was like night and day, you know, it was like jarring. Yes. So, God, there was this uh, this company called Jane O'Brien Media, where this guy, I mean, th- I think there's a lot of like, a lot of psychoanalysis that is necessary for this whole story. Yeah. Um, so the, the, uh, the television reporter is, um, I think he's in a gay marriage, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, something like that. He. He said he was like bisexual or something, and the 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 guy said, "Oh, I'm not I'm not talking to some homosexual journalist or something like that." And he's just yeah, like, whatever. Yeah, man. so I, I don't know. And then they, yeah, just because he was like briefly like the, the it just like the way that these people, this media company like who was funding this competitive tickling was able to find like the second this guy in New Zealand was started talking about it, they were like on him with like legal threats and all this stuff, right? Like, and there was like serious money behind it where it's like what the fuck is this right and ah, man yeah it, it gets so weird i mean i there's a lot of like story beats i mean we could go over like you know he he invites the the financiers and the lawyers to come with and talk about it some more mm-hmm. and then he ends up like you know a lot of these people have like nda agreements not really even that but like they're just like threats like you can't talk about this whatever right or like you know like that one guy who um he was like a high school football coach he needed money or something he like did it and like the they like told everybody he was gay and that he was a child molester and all this right. other stuff like they doxed him like they get got him fired and all this other stuff just awful awful stuff and a lot of this was like you know gr- it was grooming too yeah oh yeah of course yeah it was it was like gr- grooming like under like a lot of they would like kind of get these people when they're underage and when they were like oh yeah they're 18 whatever even even then it was like questionable like oh well you know not even then all the time i feel like it just because oh well tickling's not illegal but there was like this extra you know sense of caution where right yeah um yeah that like and that's that's the thing that's like the weird moral quandary that i think like that's it, it, at least part of it um is the fact that again like none of it was explicitly sexual like they weren't tickling and then fucking it was just like a, a like a weird tickle video and you're the the subtext is like people are probably jerking off to this stuff but it like the way that they did it was almost worse yeah so moving along though to the guy who was in charge of this or rather the person um uh they were known as Terry DeSisto aka Terry Tickle there were so many layers to this, like the true mastermind behind it was like, oh, it was a facade behind a facade behind a facade. Um, and it was just like this guy's alter alias, basically, um, this Terry Tickle, Terry DeSisto. She was like allegedly this like woman who was really into like men who were tickling each other kind of thing, uh, right. whether that was like sexual or just sort of like a perversion of power. And there was even, like, that weird town in Michigan where they had, like, the high school. It was, like, this whole, like, community was, like, manipulated by this person. You remember that? Where, like, they they were, like, you if you wanted to get ahead in, like, sports, you had to be a part of this, like, tickling scene. Um, I don't really remember that. Um, but that, that could have just been part of it that I fucking blocked out or something. Super fucked up. But, I mean... Again, we end up finding out that Terry DeSisto is this actually a man, um, mm-hmm. David D'Amato, I believe yeah. his name is. And yeah, he it, was he like a, uh, I'm looking here, he was a former assistant principal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and he was uh, basically he was like the son of like a very rich family. Well, apparently he died in 2017. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I forget if the movie said that or not, but I think that they, I, I think, think they, they said did like right at the end. Yeah. So he was like he he went through like law school, and there was this whole thing of like he was very. I mean, he was very like. I mean, the guy is a sociopath, like like mm-hmm. of the of the largest variety. Yeah, and I I think that that's like what was fueling it like and i don't did they sort of talk about his um did they talk talk about his upbringing at all because there was definitely like some weird closeted tendencies that like it it seemed like he himself didn't really even want to face which is why he wasn't making like porn he was making like this weird tickle fetish shit that like was obviously supposed to be porn but like there like there there seemed to be an aspect to it that like he himself didn't want to confront the fact that he was doing that and making it and like it it got into a lot of just the fact that it was like this big like power trip and he got off on just like manipulating people over it but there there was like an obvious definite sexual aspect to it all yeah. you know he like maybe he was like I, they said he was like bullied when he was a kid he's like maybe like effeminate or something or right. they, like they they mentioned that he like never had a girlfriend and stuff like that and i mean it seemed to be like i think that they said they they thought he was like asexual right. or something but regardless um yeah a guy who was like closeted something but he you know ends up like the, what what really became very fucking tense in this movie was where the the the, the reporter we follow from New Zealand ends up tracking this guy down Oh yeah, and like they have a face to face meetup, and it's like very, it's scary because there's so much build up, and the guy is like, he's like, his like hands are shaking before he's like, they set up this whole thing to like, they found out where his car was. It's a crazy, a crazy story, and then he ends up, you know, like I said, like find him and his partner, like they're tailing the guy, but not too close, and they end up like finding him at like, he confronts him, and he's like. I don't know. He like denies, denies, but he's like, you better watch your fucking self, you know? Oh, and yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, this is, this is the guy who's like ruined so many lives. Right. Mask off. And time. it's like, and it's just this like pudgy middle-aged white guy, you know? Right. It always is, you know? Yeah. Pudgy middle-aged white guys are the fucking bane of society. Yeah, and people in the chat are saying he's a real-life supervillain. I mean, truly. I mean, like, I mean, he's, I mean, I I feel like there's, again, there's like an aspect of it where it's like, could this have been avoided if, like, maybe culture at the time was more accepting of whatever he was not? But I also think it's not even just that. I think that he had, yeah, God knows, like, what kind of personality disorders or whatever kind of stuff that was just, like, it doesn't matter, like, whatever, like identity or whatever is shit he wasn't facing it was like this guy was like very troubled and like very fucking manipulative right and i yeah i think that the answer to that yeah i think the answer to that is both yes and no um yes in the sense that again like they showed like actual tickle fetish porn and when you're watching those scenes you're like okay that's that's like just porn right that's shot and looks like and feels like what a porn would be this does not feel like that so it it might be different if he's like sort of struggling with some of these closeted tendencies or something like that but also at the same time like how many of these people exist in maybe things that aren't as weird as like tickle fetish videos 
how many of these people like use these weird sociopathic coercive tendencies and like normal lot normal life and like your job and like you know pyramid scheme shit and stuff like that it's just like how many more of these people are out there but they're just not making videos about tickling you know i mean i think there's a lot but i think that it it's just a perfect storm where it's like i i truly believe yeah. that there are not many people of this caliber of that kind of like behavior. Ab- yeah I, absolutely like this is a i think this is a very rare breed of human where it it's disturbing and it's like again it's you know someone on the level of like a john wayne gacy type person right um yeah i mean just i, I mean like there was again like it it, it this is a gripping a gripping documentary and i i you know i i was i was like tense like it was it was scary and it, it was you know like more than i mean like for me it's like more than any scary movie is like a a true story where we see these true events and this you know we see the out the the uh the waves that were caused by this manipulation and lies and like pain and stuff and right just face and facing that head on a guy who really wasn't involved in it and like wasn't just like potentially throwing away his career but like his life right um cashew in the chat pointed out um there was a a version of it or like at least a video that was released um where one of the people interviewed like went back on their word and was praising uh what's his name david damato um and i'll i guess i'll watch that later i'm sort of interested in it um it's also it's crazy to think i mean this these videos that this guy was making have been like circulating since like the nineties, like early, early internet shit, you know, like, yeah, it's crazy how long he was capable of getting away with the shit for, you know, that is crazy, man. Like, and it's also back then it was like, Oh, don't tell anyone your name on the internet. Don't talk to him. It's like, this is, this guy's the reason for that basically, you know? Yeah. Um, and he just like a relic of that age that continued to sort of live on and prosper as the, anonymity became easier and easier right so yeah um even if you even if you're still listening and you didn't watch it i recommend it it's us talking about it does not do it justice especially those moments of true fear and seeing and discovering these things for yourself and going along for the ride Right. Um, and yeah, just the fact that it's like it's real and it happened and like you know seeing seeing the cost of it and seeing like you know how some of these people's lives were ruined as a result of a a video that went viral on the internet of them tickling somebody, which is like again a harm a mostly harmless thing, but with like sort of nefarious underpinnings that sort of like why are we all uncomfortable with it? And I I do think that there was a level of they sort of I think touched upon it a little um the concept of like uh and maybe this is something that people deal with less and less as like cultures becoming more and more understanding of you know uh gender and like gender norms and sexuality and stuff like that but how like you know if you if you're a straight male like it is like somehow inherently effeminate to be tickled and that like the the underlying message of all of this is that like oh all of these people are afraid that they're going to be outed as gay and it's just like yeah but yeah. like back then it's like but you know, now it's like but what's wrong with that but back then it's like oh there there's like a whole thing like 
why does it make us uncomfortable to watch this? Like, what's wrong with this? And again, like, I it, it wasn't I don't even know. just gay. Like, they're like he. It was getting spun into like this is a pedophile. This guy right. is whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, truly things that are like bad. Right. Whereas, like, yeah, to to think that that ruined that guy's life when it is just like okay, like. I get that it looks bad and there could be some weird shit to it too. But like at the end of the day, it's just a, a video of two grown men tickling each other. Like I don't, the, there's such a weird aspect to the uncomfortability of the entire documentary. And I, I feel like that's in and of itself worth makes it worth watching because the entire, the content matter and like the evolution of the story and all of that is very uncomfortable. And it's one of those things that you just sort of have to see in order to sort of like truly take it all in, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Um, I mean, unless you, do you have anything else you want to say about this? Not really. Um, this wasn't my favorite thing, but I would say it belongs on the shelf. I think it was, especially in terms of like early internet history and like the evolution of it. Um, as a result, um, I think it was a very interesting thing, you know, for two people to do a podcast about internet culture. It was like this was kicking around back then, you know. Yeah, it's a, gr- a great suggestion. Also, yeah, I, I, I would put it. I would say I would put it on a not the highest shelf of the library, but a, a middle to high shelf. Yeah, I'd say middle to low because I, I feel like they like there were moments where it felt like it could have been a little more i mean granted it just it is what it is but like right and those those are very few and far between ultimately I, I thought it was a great movie great documentary i highly recommend it i i really enjoyed it um probably i mean out of the four things we talked about this episode it was my favorite thing right i would say um I would say i would rank it in order from and yeah sleep science in the chat said yeah he you're welcome. I think him and uh, Nico were telling us to watch it. I think maybe somebody else too, if I recall. Yeah, Dilbert? I would say was it Dilbert. Um, I, don't I don't know. Did Dilbert say he watched it? I'm not I sure. Remember. Well, regardless, but uh, I would say my order would probably be uh, Last Dance, and then Tickled and Bug Fables are tied. I know it's weird to say that sentence out loud, but I said <laughs> it out loud anyway. And then definitely uh, the Death to 2020 was Death Death to that movie. Oh man, I. I honestly forgot. Like I was just so engrossed in talking about this that I almost forgot about how <laughs> fucking bad that was. Right God. for a split second, yeah. And and again, it's like there's you can't even fucking enjoy it on a level that's like meant to like hate it at the time because it's it's too soon. I would say at the very least, wait till you get a fucking vaccination until you <laughs> watch this. Yeah. Yeah, Wait until you and your loved and your loved ones are vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think that just about does it. Uh, thanks to All everybody right. who's listening. I uh, really appreciate the donations. Goes a long way for us and uh, makes us feel real good too. I I truly do appreciate it, and I am uh, very apologetic for the delay here. Um, it's been yeah. crazy. A uh, little. I, I started a new job in the last few months as well, um, so I've been like really adjusting to like a new schedule and new responsibilities, as well as like, you know, hey, you want to do this show? Hey, you want to do this stream? Hey, you want to do this show? Right. And it's like, I, you know, we want to get the show and you know all this stuff out there, and it's like, you know, hard to say no to all this stuff. So, um, you know, we're in all the, you know, trying to stay active in these times, and um, 
now, I mean, now for me personally, I'm, you know, I'm a lot more settled in, so I'm definitely ready to hit these with more regularity. Right, for sure. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, drop any suggestions if anybody has any, you know, and we'll uh, get to what seems like it'll appeal to us because I, I always hate the concept of, like, you know, just taking some suggestion up just because somebody said it. But if, it, if it's something that, you know, here's, here's the thing. Pitch it to us. Yeah. Give us a Elevator pitch. Give pitch. us a solid yeah. pitch. What's the log line? Let's go. Right. No begging, but just go, hey, you like the internet? Do you like watching grown men tickle each other? You should take you should check this out. And I'll be like, huh. You know what you know what I, I want to see now? I want to see a crossover documentary between Last Dance and Tickled. The you know? the last the last tickle. Yeah, like just a, a you know, like a a uh, love child of the two right uh you know scott or uh fucking what's his name dennis rodman has got some crazy tickling thing in north korea who knows uh let's make it happen though yeah i don't think crossover documentaries are a thing but you're <laughs> they, they should be make it a thing they should be sure um anyway thanks everybody for listening uh we'll see you next time and like yeah like we said drop those suggestions in the fire bros chat thread chat room channel drop them in the fire bros channel of the discord oh yeah and then i guess just to sort of like solidify um you know the the appreciation i i think by now the the new picture is up on the feed so oh, yeah uh, you know, that's thanks right again to june bat for for the image it's uh very good was it uh john elizabeth uh stintsy stintsy yeah yeah thank you it's appreciate awesome. it yeah I, yeah, that was that made my week. Definitely, yeah. Uh, we've been wanting a, a new like cover photo because it's just been the classified slapped on our faces, you know, right. for however long. So Which, it's uh, good to have its own image finally. So yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, see you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.